Hey firecrackers, it's Naomi and welcome to the firecracker department. Oh, there's some good things happening out there. There are some creative action happening and, uh, and I'm looking at you. Yeah, you. I see how hard you're working. I know it's not easy. I know you're going to keep going. This is not a sprint. This is a marathon. So I am watching you take creative action and I'm like, keep going. Hey, let's do some firecracker shout outs. Okay, first and foremost, can we just take a moment and recognize the beauty that is the Firecracker Department 2020 playlist. This was created by Sydney Nielsen and Vicki Breyer and loved by so many, including Kathleen Harkwell, who's one of my favorite Firecracker brunches of all times. So go over to Spotify and take a little listen to the playlist that Sydney and Vicki have put together. It's fantastic. It's gonna make you wanna dance. And uh, you know what? Give them a little shout out. Firecracker D-E-P-T on Instagram and Twitter. Hashtag Firecracker Playlist. Tell me what you thought of it. Tell me which was your favorite song. Tell me which one was the song that made you jump up and dance. Because I need that song. I need some dancing music. My other shout out is to Stone Hardware Company. Okay, go have a look at stonehardwareco.com and check out all the unique and beautiful and personally designed jewelry designed by Emma Rinder, who is just an artist for sure. She donated a beautiful ring to our silent auction when we were doing our tiff party. And um, boy, that was hard not to bid on, but that wouldn't have been cool if I had outbid somebody. Oh, good one, Sneakus. You outbid one of the other people. That's not cool. But I really encourage you to go and check out their website and then give us a tweet and tell me what you thought about it. I think it's stunning and I know you will too. Okay. All right. Here, here we go. Our guest today is this amazing person, writer, director, producer, Laura Rivas. Now, she has worked on indie films, interned at NBC, moved up from a production assistant to an associate producer at Warner Brothers Television, wrote comedic copy for syndicated shows like Two Broke Girls and The Middle. From there, this person, she is like, pew, 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 as Sydney Nielsen, our editor, would say. She's pew, pew. Uh, from there, she has gone on and directed digital talk shows, a 90s-inspired dating docu-series, and has a killer digital series she directed, wrote, and executive produced called Tiny Laughs. It's hilarious. She's hilarious. And it's now available on Reverie streaming platform. Reverie has live and on-demand LGBTQ movies, shows, music, news, and podcasts all in one place. What a fantastic invention. What a smart creation. Tiny Laughs is nominated in the Comedy Digital Series category for Queer Fest 2020 and the official Latino Film and Arts Festival. Laura's just killing it. She's killing it this year. She is so funny and her work focuses on just like this great approach, not only funny and smart, but just like quirky female driven comedies that champion minority voices and the struggles of growing up in the modern age. She is creating such a great platform and she is such a powerhouse. I can't wait to see what she does next. She also plays in the Los Angeles Feminist Amateur Basketball League and an avid swing dancer and volunteers a lot in Southeast LA. If it's not enough to create comedy, you're also doing that? That's amazing. I mean, if that's not firecrackery enough for you, I don't know what is. That is a firecracker. Okay, let's do it. Here's my conversation with Laura Rita. It doesn't surprise me that you love sports, I have to tell you, because I, in researching your work and your, your career, I was like, you're, you're, I mean, you're unstoppable. You're very organized. Oh. You're very driven. I can see like your websites are beautiful. Oh. So I feel like, like, do you feel like you get that from being involved in sports? Because I know that's also one of your passions. I think I get it from my mom. She's very organized and um, she did not let me slack off when I was a kid. So every day there's something to do and I had to wake up at a certain time and do something. But yeah, I think the sports, you know, just having uh, the practices and the schedules. Um, yeah, I, I'm always, I've always been that type of person. And yeah, I like to think, keep things organized. And um, mm -hmm. early in my career, I've been mostly doing post-production before directing and I've learned from the editors to always be very organized for it to definitely help to, 
to organize your schedule. Yeah. And how old were you when you came over from Mexico? Um, I was three, but then we went back when I was about six for almost a year. And then my parents were just like, no, we're, we're settling in LA. So we're going to stay here. <laughs> I read the story about the firebird, that your father went to pick up a firebird and then decided just to stay in America. Is that really how spontaneous a man he is? Yeah, I have to say that I think I get a lot of my personality from my dad. He's a very hard worker and yeah, he, he wanted to do that and he came and then my mom was like, well, we're married, so we're, we're going with Joe. <laughs> and so he's definitely a risk taker. He's done a couple of jobs looking back where I'm like, oh, damn, dad, you did that. So I guess in a sense, it kind of like right. unconsciously told me as a kid, like, oh, my I can do that. Like, why can't I yeah. try this? You know? Yeah, so. I love that. I love the infusion of that kind of spontaneity, but also risk taking. Yeah, but that's and a risk. What do you think? Sure. I mean, I think that's important in this world right now because nothing's certain, right? I mean, wasn't one of your biggest quotes is expect the unexpected, but I feel mm -hmm. like that's such a, a, a lifestyle mantra that we should all be following. Where yeah. did you learn that from? From your parents? Yeah, because my dad just coming to the U.S., I think he had like three jobs, but he was always hustling and always talking to people. And one of his mentors, um, he, he taught, I don't want to say the streets, but basically like he was, uh, the guy was a taxi driver that catered to the Latino community. And so kind of taught my dad how to also do that. And yeah, just figure out ways to, to help the family. And, and But I also have uh, aunts from my dad's side and my mom's side that uh, just taught me to, if you're going to do something, you can totally do it. Like it was never like nothing's impossible. And so from my dad's mm -hmm. side, my, my aunts are business owners. And so I saw that growing up and every time I would go to tequila, uh, I would always see my aunt going to different wholesales and then she came to LA and there's a lot of wholesales here too so I would go with her and see how she negotiated stuff uh and from my mom's side my aunt is a chemist and so that was pretty cool so you know just this is my perspective growing up in LA and growing up in the U.S. I feel like a lot of the stories on TV is yes we do have immigrant stories but we're mostly like just nannies and cooks and mm -hmm. so growing up yeah, I have family that were that too, but like my my immediate family, like, oh, there's a chemist, there's an architect. Yeah, you know, right. Like you, you, you could do stuff yeah. like that, you know, and, and still come to the U.S. Yeah, and so, and even where I grew up in Southgate, I remember as a kid, there was a young couple that had moved across the street and uh, my mom started talking to, to them because in order to get to the elementary school, you had to pass their house. And so everybody where I grew up was pretty friendly. And so she was talking to the wife and the wife said, oh, yeah, my husband is a writer for, for um, I think he was doing something in L.A. Times, but he was also doing for a major Latino magazine in L.A. So to me, it's like, oh, yeah, like pe people yeah. do that in my community. Like it's, it's normal. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I, I totally agree with you. And I feel like there's this great surge of not following stereotypes in all races, whether it's like indigenous, because we have a lot of a, a big indigenous community in Canada. And you're starting to see like indigenous representation that aren't stereotypes. And it's so exciting. And I wonder, like, what's been your journey of that responsibility? Like, I think there's some people that see that there are stereotypes in our media and go, oh, well, that's too bad. And then there's some people like you that are like, oh, no, I'm going to actually create things to make a change. Where do you, tell me about that journey. I have to say that growing up in LA in particular, because I've talked to a lot of Latinos in other states that grew up, that were also like me, that they, their family brought them to the U.S., and they had no uh, Latino representation. And I'm so grateful that where I grew up in L.A., all my teachers in elementary were also Mexican-American or of a, a Latin a country. And so it was normal to learn about our customs. And, and at, at home, um, since both my parents did not speak English until a couple of years later, uh, we would watch Spanish television. And one of the things that we would watch mm -hmm. is this uh, Mexican channel called Galavision. And so they had very 
golden era Mexican cinema. And so one oh, yeah. of my, my major influences is like Cantinflas, Mariela Elena Velasco, which is also known as La India Maria. And so, and, and, and seeing her films, like her films are more in the 70s and 80s than the golden era. But it was really cool to mm -hmm. see her because again, subconsciously, I was like soaking it in. It's like, oh, okay, cool. I know she's the protagonist in all her films, but they would show, you know, like behind the scenes stuff uh, during commercials. And then I found out, oh, she's the writer. Oh, she's the producer. Oh, she's, the, you know, and, and so, and, and she came up with her uh, persona, which I really loved uh, that about my Mexican heritage and culture is that, uh, well, at least the ones that I've named, Cantiflas, um, his character was for the people. So his character, you could say he's kind of like uh, the Charlie Chaplin tramp, right? Like he was, he was okay. from the streets but he used humor to entertain people and, and give people the opportunity to, um, to dream and be like, yeah, sure, you come from this place, but you can could, you could rise up or, or you, can, you can achieve happiness, not just financially, but like, you know, you can find love and, and stuff like that. And, and the yeah. same thing with, with uh, La India Maria. Um, she, she portrays a very indigenous, usually um, Oaxaca, there's a lot of indigenous people there. She always portrayed like a very naive Indian girl going into the city, but at the same time, she's not so naive because she has her, her heritage and she knows she's very savvy and she's a businesswoman and, and she gets along. And yeah, there's a couple of trouble and she learns from it, but overall she always overcomes the obstacle and again shows the public like, you know, yeah, I come from a very small indigenous town, but you know, mm -hmm. I go to the city to pursue my dreams and and yeah. I think, you know, to me, to me, those were the, the biggest influence that I want to portray when I make my stories to make people make people laugh importantly, to be honest with you, because I feel like there's too much drama in the world. And so I, I do yeah. like drama, but <laughs> I think people can relate to comedy more and good comedy always comes to great drama. <laughs> so isn't that right? And so I, I hope that, you know, when people watch my stuff, they're just they're just happy and and. and enjoyed and, and, and always are inspired to, to do something, whatever it is, you know? Yeah, I love it. And you're, I mean, you're not, I wouldn't say you're at the beginning of your career, but like you're, you're starting to like figure out what you want to create, right? With your web series and with your writing and your editing. Is this something that you always wanted to do? Like as a child, I know I read that your mom gave you a camcorder and you're like, okay, step back, everything else. <laughs> There's no more like, being a teacher, a doctor, a lawyer, it's just filmmaking. Yeah, I think it's, it's very interesting because in both my extended families are like, damn, you and your sister, like you just, you guys were so focused and you did exactly what really? you wanted to do. Yeah, and again, I, 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 uh, I bring it to my mom in the sense that like, she would always take us to the public library and like have us read stuff and, and learn as much as possible and she is critical about my career in the sense that you know like any parents just concerns like this is an unstable job are you sure you want to do this like go back to corporate america please <laughs> you know <laughs> uh, but no yeah. um, as a kid i really appreciate her taking me to to get my camera and just like yeah record and just stuff mm -hmm. like that what what kind of obstacles are you facing right now that you're I mean, I don't know. Are you the kind of person that gets challenged by obstacles or inspired by them? When I was younger, I was like, yeah, give me a challenge. And I'm still that way. But to be <laughs> honest with you, I'm like a little bit fed up with all these challenges. But uh, I just I just try to give it my all and just like, OK, cool. That didn't work. What can work for like talk to people, you know, it's just like, yeah, it's like a slapstick comedy, you know, it's like, boom, OK. <laughs> yeah get back up get back up what, yeah. what's on your plate what's on your challenges plate right now that you're that you're finding the need to get back up from I think for a lot of people of color like myself that are not financially dependent on their parents it's that constant struggle of like you have to pick between a financial stable job and pursuing what you want to do and you know I tell I, I tell people too, younger people too. It's like if you really want to stick to this career, you have to be really dedicated. 
because you know when I had my nine to uh, six p uh, job, I was and I lived far from where I worked, an hour away. I was waking up at seven, leaving my house at seven fifteen, getting to work at nine, working from nine to six, and then when I get when I got back from home, I would get here at seven and then eat something real quick, and then just again work on series, connecting people, and I would do that and midnight for literally a year wow. and so wow. you know yeah just because that's was not just sustainable like, it's not sustainable right it's not sustainable <laughs> I mean but we're passionate people and I get like that you, you you know you get home and you're so driven by your work but at the same time I don't know we're it, it's hard to keep the creative tank full I don't know what your job was but if it wasn't something creative it's hard to keep creative juices going it, it was. I used to work for a, a marketing uh, agency, and uh, but it was very political. And but but yes, I knew it was not sustainable to continue that work ethic. But I knew that if I just you know pass that marathon of all that hard work, a lot of great things would come, and they have, which I'm really grateful. And now my biggest challenge, like I said, is just financial. And but. Um, one of the things that Hollywood's doing right now is is opening up a lot of diversity programs. And so I'm part of Start 8 Hollywood, which is started by Women of Color Unite. Uh, it was really great because they challenged Hollywood and they said, okay, you're saying that, yeah. you know, there's not enough, uh, you don't know where people of color are at. So we're just going to put it out on Twitter and reach out to people. And I applied. It took about a month to get back. But they connected me with two mentors. One is a director and one is a Latina showrunner. And so it was really great just to connect with them. And they saw the series and they were very proud. And they're like, you know, this is amazing. This is what you can do. And I was just like, okay, cool. Like, you know, I'm really glad. Like these people have been in the industry longer than I have and they see my potential. And so I just have to grind again and, and do it. And uh, 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 other programs that I'm part of, it, there's an editing uh, one, which has been good. But at the same time, I kind of, been talking to myself it's like you know editing is fun and it is it's kind of similar to the director's chair because you're you're setting the tone and you're you're choosing exactly what you want but it's also time consuming so like i have yeah. to make a choice and i have to be very precise especially i'm not getting any younger i do look like i'm 15 but <laughs> you know i have to <laughs> <laughs> I have to. I mean, you're definitely uh, you know, not sixty, <laughs> so you've got some time. <laughs> so, but no, now I think my biggest challenge is uh, getting into the commercial world because it's a steady job that is also very creative, and it will continue to help me uh, craft my editorial style and just keep on yeah. keep on getting um, applying to grants or or against self financing. Uh, bigger projects. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and do you feel like um, when you said they saw the series, was it Tiny, the Tiny Laugh series? Yeah, yeah, they saw a Tiny Laugh series. Um, I, I sent them up a, a private link, and they're like, "Oh wow!" Like, and and they saw, yeah, they saw the whole series. So I was really uh, grateful <laughs> that they took the time. Tell me a little bit about that series. Tell me about how it came to be, because you've got an amazing team, and you can see the dedication just behind the team of yours. Um, I also love the quote that everything starts what he said something like everything starts with a tiny laugh and then you come yeah. back and it gets bigger because yeah. that's kind of like our careers. They, yeah. It starts out tiny, but it gets bigger. Tell me about that project for you. Tiny Laughs was, like I said, just a, a personal project. It's based loosely on me and Rakshan's experience working in Hollywood and you know, I, I was just fed up with corporate American, uh, corporate America. And I told Brookshawn, I was like, okay, look, I've been working a lot of OT. Uh, I'll move back with my parents, and like, let's do this. Like, I'll buy my equipment or figure out. We have connections. Let's talk to people. And we did it. It took about a year of uh, pre-production, and uh, we wrote the series together, the five episodes, uh, within six months. And then it was just figuring out locations. And luckily, I was able to film in my sister's house, and that helped a lot. 
And uh, again, uh, you know, where I grew up in Southeast LA, I knew a lot of uh, community organizers and they suggested uh, a cafe shop in different locations. The cafe shop, the Cafe, shout out to them. We're very uh, nice to us because originally we we're just gonna shoot like uh, a day, like for two hours, but we had to reshoot and so we shot three different days and more than two hours. <laughs> so I'm really grateful to the owner. And he's wow. super young too, he's, he's also, Latino from Echo Park. He started his business when he was 24, and I think when he shot in wow. 26. And um, yeah, it was just grassroots and just, you know, uh, again, talking to people and telling them exactly what I need. And it's like, hey, I'm looking for this place, or do you know this friend, or, you know, we need extras. And um, a lot of my friends from the promo world were able to be extras, and uh, we have great comedians there um, that also did their own stand-up which i really really appreciate and uh oh so casting my lead uh brisa uh was really mm-hmm. interesting it's not the normal but you know um independent filmmaking <laughs> so uh i had joined a lot of casting websites and i was really disappointed because there was a lot of um well sorry there wasn't a lot of latina actresses and in particular, there wasn't a lot of Latina actresses that were uh, more brown. It was mostly like okay. white Latina, but light-skinned white Latinas. Okay. And so I, I thought it was really, especially you know where I grew up, there we, we had all different types of colors uh, where I grew up. But for me, it was very important to have her be uh, more more uh, dark skin. And so okay. uh, I did find her real in this casting uh, website called Backstage. But I couldn't reach her because it was like an internal thing. And so I was like, oh, my God, we're like a month away. But like, you know, her reel was amazing. She had done a lot of work. I DM'd her on Instagram and I said, I love your work. I've seen your work. I know you can do this. So, yeah, I sent her the script and she loved it. And uh, she lived closer to the beach towards uh, Long Beach. And so we weren't able to meet up, but we were able to talk on the phone uh, for like two hours for two days. And she she knew exactly the type of character that I wanted to portray. She grew up with people like that too. And so she was very, um, she, and she was just like, I'm definitely looking for this. Like it's so hard to find uh, leads that are not made, <laughs> you know, and, and I want to portray an architect. Like that's amazing. I love it. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah. And so we met on the first day of the shoot so it was again very risky but uh it paid off and oh my god uh, on the first yeah, day yeah. wow yeah on the first day but she she was prepared she had her own props and uh yeah so i'm, I'm always very grateful to Britta for showing up and, and giving it all and uh and james his casting was a little bit different it was through a, a facebook group uh, for um, the Asian uh, entertainment community. And uh, he, he was perfect for the role because he was basically uh, Jeff Chang. He was also uh, um, an actor and a comedian. And, uh, you know, he, he definitely uh, also showed up and gave it all. Like, I, I could not have been more blessed to work with these actors that were just always willing to go the extra mile to portray these characters mm-hmm. and uh, the, the log line for Tiny Lives is, is about a queer Latina architect who's trying to get a job promotion and she goes to an improv class and that's where she meets her love interest who's uh, pursuing comedy and stand-up and he quits his job and so I think a lot of people can relate to it not just uh, people of color but just people that want to pursue a career in entertainment and especially children of immigrants that are constantly reminded it's like we came to America for better, uh, better opportunities for you, better jobs. And so sometimes, you know, a lot of immigrant parents is like, that's a slap in the face. Like, so we, 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 we had this journey to cross the border and you're just gonna, you know, go, go out and play. And, uh, but no, both Sean and my parents right. have watched it and are very happy. <laughs> so I was like, I think I'll <laughs> Right, they wanted you to do something that isn't as, like, I mean, I guess entertainment, the entertainment business can seem frivolous to a lot of people. If you've gone through this entire immigration and then all you're going to do is make-believe. Yeah. 
What, what kind of advice would you give to people who like from those casting sites in order to expand our diversity more? Like you said, you had trouble seeing people on the casting sites that you needed to cast. What kind of advice would you give? I honestly do think that there is a lot of uh, filters and um, even in the Latino community, I think that their image of um, the desire look for a Latina or Latino is a light-skinned Latino or Latina. And um, we, in order to push those boundaries, like, come on, like, you know that they're all shapes and colors and um, different shades of skin. So yeah, let's, let's just cast people, you know? And one of my um, inspirations in this industry is uh, Gloria Calderon Arquette, uh, the showrunner of One Day at a Time. And I, oh, love, yeah. I love going on Twitter and hearing her tweets because every day, like she's, she's just like going at it. She's like, okay, I'm looking for disabled writers or I'm looking for Southeast Asian writers, you know? And she's just like, okay, like, let me see your work. I want to see your work. And, mm -hmm. you know, again, there's gatekeepers in the industry that are still like, this is how it mm -hmm. was. Like, they just need to let go of that and just like, no, give the people what they want, right? Like, the, this mm -hmm. is also a very um, money-driven business, right? So, like, if your audience is telling you, hey, like, I want to see that, give them that and see the profits. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we've been on this journey. It's taking a big step forward right now of intensity, but I think this is a journey that's going to be constantly changing and evolving of like the balance and equality. I'm not, I don't have any answers. <laughs> I just know that I really love seeing more diversity represented because that's the world we're living in. And now, I don't know, I was watching a movie the other day and it was an old movie, it's from like the eighties or nineties. And it was scene after scene of like three white guys. And I was like, no, like it suddenly is glaring. Like there was a time that it was sort of passed me by and I'd be like, oh yeah, this is just me. But now I look at that and I go, where's the representation? It's really, really apparent now. Yeah, and you know, again, I'm hoping with all these like new diversity programs, it's not just like what happened in the 90s where it's like, yeah, we have more people of color in major networks for like uh, Living Single and you know, all those shows. So I, I just really hope it's just not like that. And, and, and I feel like people that are my age that are in the industry are willing to work hard and just bring along the people they know too of like, hey, like, you know, I'm, I'm doing this. Like one of the groups I'm part of is called Color Associates and um, there's different divisions and there was a division uh, that met and it was for uh, people of color who are looking to be agents. So I thought that was amazing. Oh. And I think, you know, uh, I do think it's good that I know of those programs and hopefully other people of color know of those programs because we can um, partner up with people of color that are also like, oh, I'm an agent or I'm a manager. And, you know, they, we can relate to each other, but at this, you know, and, and empower each other to get more jobs in the industry. And I think that's mm -hmm. how we can probably make a change. I, I mean, I think that's a huge, huge possibility of changing things that way for sure. I have a friend in Vancouver, Ellie Harvey, that always says it's important to recognize talent. And so I think that's also like when you see people that have talent going like, come with me, like come and be on my set or how can I connect you? You know, somebody asked me the other day for um, some names of uh, cartoon writers. And he asked me specifically for a white man that I know and I said, yeah, I'm going to give you that name. I'm also going to give you 20 names of uh, people of color and women so that you actually start to have those people in your mind. Because yeah. it takes effort to educate, but it's worth it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Tell me, the um, when you're shooting Tiny Laughs, um, tell me some of the challenges that you overcome, that you learned from, that you're like, next time, I'm going to do that difference. Um, you know, with, with the time constraint, because I think overall, what was it like, 30 people that worked in the, or tw 20 to 30 people worked in the production at one time. Um, and we shot on the weekends because we were both working um, Monday to Friday. Um, yeah. I think uh, 
the first weekend we shot about 31 hours <laughs> but uh wow. so, yeah um i would say i mean pre-production 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 plan <laughs> Mm-hmm. as you know just go over it and over it and over it and you know if you can get more producers to help you then amazing um but you know i would just say one thing i wish i would have heard from people just for my mentality's sake is it could be lonely there yeah there was a lot of people but uh-huh. you're exhausted and you got to go back to work you know the next day and you know you have those thoughts like what am i doing and, yeah i know just just like you know just tell yourself like it, it's okay it's gonna be a lonely world for a little bit but again like we talked about like just connecting with other people and just you know helping each other out then it won't be so lonely but yeah that was very tough to overcome and try to like okay <laughs> get back on track with lonely like lonely on set with going like, this is all on my shoulders or what was that sense of loneliness? Loneliness after, after filming it oh, and yeah, just okay. trying to, and just trying to be like, okay, like I know I have a plan, but such and such has happened. Like we thought that the editors that we had got and they're friends, so they did it pro bono. <laughs> um, right. So I'm very fortunate about that. But we were hoping that the editing process would have happened two months or something like that. But it took a year. Right, 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 right. It took a year. And so, you know, I was just like, okay, you know, I can't be super picky. And, and, you know, they're doing me a huge huge favor. So it's fine. And, you know, and I helped kind of like downsize the footage and the selections and and get it for them. But, yeah, that that was a hard pill to to take but you know it, it was a process <laughs> yeah i get it i'm gonna i'm gonna talk you through a couple of your credits and i want you to tell me what the lesson you learned whether good or bad from each of your credits okay uh so the voice the voice treat people nice that's good um the forever kayla show communication nice uh two broke girls Oh, how to how to do a great pun? That's what I <laughs> great pun. Did you say? Yep, yep. That's good. Yeah. And for like a fifteen-year-old, which is what you are, that's really challenging, right? <laughs> well, I mean, I would say I don't get sarcasm a lot, and with that show, I mean, it's so raunchy too, and we're selling yeah. it to Little America. And so it's like how 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 clean, and but still yeah. very pun, you know. So right. it, it's 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 an artwork. It's an artwork. <laughs> it's sneaky. Um, okay, what about the middle? Oh, I love the middle. It's such a sweet show. Uh, what did you learn about it? To be as creative as possible. There, there's this one episode that I did. It was a Halloween one, and the editor uh, followed my Twilight Zone. Uh, concept and so that was really cool oh i love that i love that do you have these dreams of um when i have my room when i'm a showrunner in my room yes but i try to stay present not to say that i don't aspire for that but Mm -hmm. when i when i look at social media it's like oh my god this person's doing this or this person's doing that and i'm just like okay Mm -hmm. the moment chillax and when I do get to that position, I'm going to hire the best possible team that I love working with. And, and like we said, like I'm, I'm going to bring in the people that I know that are very talented into um, those rooms. Yeah, I, I, I think that's really smart. If you can stay present, it's really hard. And I think that across the board, everybody's looking over their shoulder going, oh, why am I not doing that thing? Even people that are doing the thing that they love, they're probably going, oh, why am I not doing I think that's just human nature and it sucks. But I think there's something about like building the dream of like when you're directing on your show and what that looks like so that it's a vision that you create. Yeah. Do you have that vision? I'm working on that vision to be honest with you. Um, I think the first things that I'm doing is um, I'm making a list of the actors that I want to work with. 
which I guess is kind of tough, especially for, for television, because, like, as a director for television, you're more like the guest, because everybody's, the production team is there the whole time, and, you know, um, so it was good to learn that, too, <laughs> to be honest with you, um, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm still working on, on my list of things mm -hmm. that I want to do. I definitely, uh, one of my top dreams is, again, figure out a way to have my inspirations of Cantiflas and La India Maria into mainstream television and, 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 and portray in a good way. Because I still feel like there's stories that um, are sub stories, you know what I mean? Like, mm. oh, like mm -hmm. there's, and I, and I don't want that. I, I, I'm trying to figure what do you, out. No, tell me more. What do you mean by sub stories? Like, um, was it SBU? Law and Order or something like that. Like, it's a good show. Yeah. But that type of portrayal of people of color. Uh, ah, gotcha. You know, yeah. So, like, and, and I, I'm referencing Cantinflas and La India Maria because, again, their persona was uh, a person of, uh, of, the, of the public, right? Like, uh, humble, uh, low-income uh, people. And so I'm trying to figure out how to tell a good story that's very comedic but very relatable to everyone. So th that would be mm -hmm. one of my goals if I were to create a show to portray that in mainstream America and still, again, be, be um, very, very relatable, not just to people of color, but just people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. I mean, it's the most relatable thing in the world. Like even your tiny laughs, I'm like, oh, we all get that. We all get the chemistry of falling in love and we all get the frustration of leaving like or the fear of leaving a corporate job like that's such a relatable journey it doesn't matter race and gender yeah you're yeah you love you obviously love people yeah definitely uh i learned that in editing i was like oh and i love editing but it's really quiet i want to talk to people <laughs> yeah i would find editing really lonely it can be, but but it's 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 also fun. But uh, I think going back to um, what I envision is even as a little girl, to be honest with you, and I think sometimes it was the lack of interacting with other kids. Like I did go to school, but like when it was summer, especially in LA, I was in a track school, so because overcrowding, and so we had two months off, and so. <laughs> You know, the, the back house where I live, it was mostly just like the animals and stuff like that. So I was always very curious later on when I was older. It's like, why do people do this certain way or something like that? Why can't they be more direct mm -hmm. and stuff like that? So that's, that's, that's something that appeals to me as a director because I always want to know why people do certain things. I love that. I love that curiosity so much. That's fantastic. Um, okay, I'm going to wrap it up with some firecracker questions, and they're questions that I ask all my guests, and I love seeing the differences. Um, fill in the blank, Laura. To me, a firecracker is? Someone that has the ability to make a change. See? It's never been the same twice, those answers. I love it. Um, what do you want to be best known for? Um, creating a change in my community. Oh my gosh, Laura, you are doing that so much. I, I don't know where you get your energy. And I know that sometimes it must be really hard and you're tired, but keep going. Keep going. <laughs> you're making you. a change. And I, and I think for a 15-year-old, it's an amazing thing. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to see what you're going to do when you're 20. Um, two words to describe your present state of mind right now. Um... The Wonder Woman 1984 song. <laughs> I think it's called okay. Blue Monday. Okay. Yeah, That's it's, how just, you're it's like those, Yeah, um, I don't know if you've seen it, but like the in the trailer, um, the song, or maybe it was like the music company that did that, but it's very um, drum, drum driven. So it's like boom, 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 boom. Oh, boom, yeah, boom. yeah, yeah. Now I remember, yes. That's how you're feeling right now. You feel like an inner drum beat. Yeah. I love that. Um, if this was a movie and the credits were just about to roll, what was the climax of your life so far? A turning point. 
like in a good way or a bad way or does it matter i mean it's your movie (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i would say just like filming filming tiny laughs is a climax yeah 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 i can imagine that was a really life-changing experience for you yeah um what's something that people don't know about you that I, I like artistic fencing. I don't do it, but I've taken classes when I lived in France. Fencing? And, yeah, artistic fencing, though. Um, well, I, I double majored in, in uh, French, so I do speak French, but a lot of people kind of know that about me. <laughs> but yeah, I do love artistic fencing. So think yeah, of like, you be... know, um, that'd be like, um, what do you call it? The Three Musketeers kind of kind of fencing. You don't have to wear yeah, the suit. Fantastic. You just have oh my like, gosh. A, like a wooden wooden stick and just do like your fancy uh, artistic uh, uh, night kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> I love every, all the actions that you're doing right now. It's so audio, but you're like, it's kind of like, a, it's kind of like, a, I get it. I get it. And I can't wait. You're going to make a movie one day that has artistic fencing in it. I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, um, that'd be cool. What has, what's been what what do you do when you need to regroup like when you said you're sometimes a little bit tired of the struggle of the hustle what do you do to regroup and and fill your creative tank normally um i would listen to music i love jazz music um i love also like a lot of international music it kind of helps me practice my french um i've been meditating more which is good i need to do it every day (laughs) but it's tough um but you know to be honest during this quarantine i think the most important lesson that i've learned and i think it's again we're 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 social human beings it's reconnecting more with with friends because um in this industry it's very it's easy to just fall in like okay go 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 and like you gotta get this project done and it's you know at least for me it's been a struggle to maintain my relationships with friends and and you know, they understand that I'm constantly working. So it was nice. Um, yesterday was my birthday. So, um, oh. I, yeah. So I, I called a lot of friends and we catched up. And so it was really nice to, to hear about what they're doing in life. It's, it's weird, isn't it? Because when COVID first hit, I was like connecting with friends all the time. Like we're doing Zoom calls and phone calls. And then I kind of got out Zoomed. And then I was like, now, I, I don't know, I have to really monitor how much I'm on the media and on the screen. Do you find that? Oh, yeah. No, I, I'm, a, I'm a caller. I call people on their cell phone. Even friends that like, are my age <laughs> yeah. are like, why don't you text me? I'm like, I hate texting. I could call you and ask you a question within like less than 60 seconds. And if you know, I texted you, it's just going to take more time. But um, super yeah, I'm, I'm retro. Uh, I'm a, I'm a late millennial. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, I, I do get tired of Zooms. I, 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 I've used a lot of Zooms for like workshops. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I would prefer to just see people face to face, but obviously you can't. But yeah. yeah. Okay. What is something you haven't done yet, but you know, you have to do. Oh, I want to sip line. <laughs> Oh yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine that's gonna happen. Um, and my In final Vancouver, if is, I can. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh my gosh, there's some great zip line. Um, uh, what do they call it? Not courses. Well, that makes oh, okay. me. It makes me throw up in my mouth a little bit just thinking about it. To be honest, this freaks me out. Uh, have you Have you done uh, it or like, just like the I haven't. The idea of it, I think that I guess it would depend on how high they are and what if it's over water or over, um, I don't know, some sort of crevice of foam and pillows. I think the latter I would be okay with, but the water thing makes me a bit freaked out. No, yeah, I've, I've heard some horror stories and I'm like, should I do it? I but you're right, like, I should just pick like a lower height or something. So if I fall, it's not too bad. Yeah, like go to one of those gyms where it's all those pieces of foam everywhere that like little kids go to and then that's where I'll go zip lining. <laughs> My final question to you is what advice would you have given to your younger self? 
trust your gut and just go for it. Don't, don't overthink. God. Do you think you trust your gut nowadays? Yes, more often. Um, and even when I'm like debating, I'm like, well, then I'm wrong because I'm debating. So I, I should not do this or do that, you know? Yeah. Uh, I can't wait to see what you create in your career. I think you're, you've got all the right ingredients. I think you're such a driven and smart and, um, I mean, I want to say responsible. It doesn't seem the right word, but I, I feel like you really care about what you're creating. And uh, I think that that can only benefit all of us having that in our community. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, definitely. I hope that it shows. And um, I did get a confirmation because I was on another podcast called uh, Ladies Night. And uh, it happened that the, the host, she's also a teacher in um, the area. And her student was part of my show, which I didn't know. And uh, she, yeah, she's like, oh, I'm, I'm telling my, my students now about your show. And like, you know, yeah, it's so nice to see the community and everything. So I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> so I'm glad I reached the demographic. <laughs> no, I love it. I think it's all about building your community. And uh, you're obviously an advocate about that, too. So what a pleasure to speak with you. I hope we'll keep in touch. Yes, and I hope definitely in Los Angeles, we can have like some sort of green drink or coffee or some sort of something. Okay. Well, if you like tacos, I could take you to a good taco um, truck or something. You are my lead on that because I'm all <laughs> over those. Yeah. There used to be, because um, oh, we were on Los Feliz, so on Hillhurst, there's a great uh, taco stand that we used to go to all the time. Oh, okay. Um, cool. But I'm always up for new recommendations, 100%. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Melanie. Oh, so much fun. She's just, just a delight. I just love, you know, these, these podcasts that I get to do, they lead me to people like Laura. And there's, I mean, there's possibly a reason that we would have our paths cross in the future. You know, we're both in comedy, maybe. But it was such a great opportunity just to chat with her and find out what she's doing what she's developing, what she cares about. I mean, she's fantastic. And I so enjoyed our chat. Get some more Laura energy by streaming Tiny Laughs on Reverie tonight. Yeah, why not tonight? Laura wrote, directed, and executive produced this series. And it is about when a queer Latina architect meets a struggling Asian comic in an improv class and their sparks send them on a humorous and heartwarming journey. It's super funny. The performances are charming and delightful. And Tiny Laughs is nominated in the Comedy Digital Series categories for Queer Fest 2020 and also the official Latino Film and Arts Festival. And get a load of this. You can vote via text. That's right. You have the power. Just text 35 to 205-850-7357. Why not? Right? Oh my gosh, we have the power. We have the power to come together, send out some love, and make some changes. You know, supporting each other's work. We can do this. You can also follow Laura on Twitter and Instagram at L-A Laura Rivas. That's L-A-L-A-U-R-A-R-I-V-A-S. L-A Laura Rivas. And while you're there, follow Tiny Laughs at We Are Tiny Laughs. I love that title so much. It's beautiful. While you're online, before you, you know, order that other Halloween-themed face mask or I don't know, what, what are you shopping for these days? Is anybody wearing shoes anymore? That's done, right? Socks, shoes, do we do we still do those? I guess it's getting cold, so we're gonna need to do that. Okay, that's something we can order. While you're over there, take a break from the Amazon world and send us some firecracker love. If you like what we're doing, there's a couple ways of supporting us. You could send out a review on our Apple podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts. You could give us a shout out on social media at firecrackerdept. You could just tell a friend that you heard this really cool podcast and share the love that way. All those forms of communication help us so much build our world, build our community. And I'll tell you something, it got better because you're here. Way better. Let us know what stuck with you from Laura's episode. I always love hearing the things that people uh, reflect on. You know, you'll listen to a podcast and then a couple days later you'll be like, oh, remember when Laura said this and it just resonates in your heart? I'd love to hear what's resonating for you. 
Like I always say, there's space for everyone within the Firecracker Department, and if you're not already part of our Facebook members group, why not? There's tons of stuff going on over there. That's our central hub for connecting with the Firecracker community, and where all our event reminders, conversations, and connections happen, uh, like our Sparkler Department, which is little firecrackers. So if you have kids, go check out the Sparkler Department. Or are you an actor or a writer? Because we have the script department and writing department as well. Weekly, the writing department posts a prompt on Mondays so that you can do that anytime. Plus, we do a little writing gym with bursts, so you don't even have to prepare anything. We do that on Zoom every Thursday. Come and join us over there. Every Sunday, we host a community brunch on Zoom so that new and current firecrackers looking to meet other creative people like you can hang out and connect. And it's always really fun. We drink coffee, we often wear our pajamas and have bathrobes, and that's the way it rolls. We always wanna know what you're doing and how we can help you move forward creatively. Monthly, we host a script department reading series, a wellness department meditation, live spark chats on Instagram with past podcast guests, and even a movie club. Yeah, there's a lot going on and there's a department and a seat for everyone at the firecracker table. Come find yours, share your voice with the world and connect with your people. Stay in the loop with everything I just threw at you by subscribing to our newsletter at firecrackerdepartment.com. Big, huge, ginormous thanks to my whole team. I'm throwing my arms up, ginormous! Everyone who's in Los Angeles, Toronto, Vancouver, New York, and all the way over in the UK. Thanks to all our core members for everything that they do online and off to make this community, this firecracker department growing into what it is becoming, which is so important to me. And from what I'm hearing from the feedback, it's important to you too, so thank you. Big thanks to Jeff Militinovic and Igor Karila for our theme music. We love it. And thanks to you. Yeah, you, the one listening right now, for taking the time to listen because we know there's a lot of options out there and we so appreciate you taking the time to listen to us. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. I'm Naomi, and we'll see you next time on the Firecracker Department.